On this episode, Tim and Mike sit down and chat with Phil from Angler Sport Fishing in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and talk muskie. Hey, Mike. What's up, man? Good to have you back in studio again. It's been a couple weeks. It it's has, been a couple weeks. It has, but it's been fun. We've we've been uh, out doing a little bit of turkey hunting, uh, food plotting, food plotting for the deer, turkey hunting. It's been a busy spring. Uh, kids' birthdays are are right now, so it's been it's just been pretty nutty. But uh, this weekend is uh, kind of a big kind of a big weekend coming up here. It's the for the, us, for, yeah, yeah, for us. Uh, it's the opener of northern the northern zone of uh wisconsin musky fishing and that's always been a a, a good time to get out and cast some throw cast some, some really big baits <laughs> and then not catch a lot of fish yeah. for me at least <laughs> that's how it happens for me too i mean what is it fish of ten thousand casts and yeah and it, so far that's held true for me so it's uh it's a fun it's a fun sport it's it's hard it's a grind but there's some big fish out there to catch so um with us not being professionals at it, yes, we brought in somebody that can catch fish on a regular basis, and uh, he's a guide over in Green Bay, um, and his name is Phil Stolda. I, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Phil. Pretty close, yeah, Phil Stolda. No big deal. People oh. get it wrong. We're <laughs> <Stadola>. good. <laughs> yep. Okay, fair yep. enough. Yep. Fair enough. No well, worries. Well, yep. thanks for joining us, and. Uh, it's awesome to have you here. I've been following you for a little bit of time, past couple of years, and just like I said, constantly putting fish in the boat, and it, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible to see. So happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This is uh, it's always fun to get to do uh, things like this and talk muskies. Man, I could do that. I do that all. I, that's kind of one of my favorite things. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Like I said before, we uh, recorded here. It sounds like we had the right guy in the podcast. So we're excited to get this going and and just kind of you know to kick it off. What what got you into musky fishing? How'd you get your start? Sure, sure. Um, well, I grew up uh, just north of Milwaukee in West Bend. Um, and what really got me started with fishing in general, I, uh, my, my aunt and uncle have a place up in Bayfield County um, on the pike chain. And uh, I fished with my grandpa. My parents were both teachers, so we get to go up there in the summer all the time for, you know, weeks at a time. And it would be great. We'd go and fish bass and pike and, uh, and crappies and bluegills and whatever else, like most kids do. Most kids don't, you know. You know, there are a lot of toddlers out yeah. there slinging bulldogs and stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, not a lot. I remember it's funny you say that about you know about not catching your ten thousand casts. I remember fishing with my grandpa. It's just a vivid memory for whatever reason. We're on Eagle Lake on the Pike Chain, and I see these guys throwing these big spoons and bucktails, and I'm like, Grandpa, what are those guys doing? And he says, Oh, those guys are musky fishing. He goes, Those guys are nuts. They fish all day and they don't catch nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. And it, it's still, I think of that sometimes. I'm like, Sounds it still like feels like that there. sometimes. Yeah, yeah every really. now and then, Grandpa was right. You know, it's like, dang. <laughs> no, but, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, that really, I mean, I've been big into hunting since I was old enough to hunt and, and, and uh, fishing and everything like that. I mean, I grew up pretty close to Lake Michigan. So even, you know, before we could drive, we, my parents would be driving us to Fort Washington. We'd be casting the harbor and stuff. And there's a ton of little lakes and rivers around there. Um, that, that I got to fish around home and stuff too. And then, uh, after high school, uh, I started working at Cabela's part time and not, I was going to school. Not and, so bad. Uh, yeah, no, not a bad gig. I remember <laughs> they opened up that Cabela's in Richfield and I was in high school. I was 16 or 17 and 
like the day that they, the first day I was there, the first week they were open, I walked in and I'm like, how old do you have to be to work here? They said 18. And I'm like, I'll be back in a few months. I'm like, all right, sounds good. You know, <laughs> and pretty much, I mean, I graduated from high school and I, I that summer I, I started working there and just met a bunch of awesome dudes. I love to hunt and fish. And I just, you know, it was a great experience working there, you know, while I was in, in school and tech school and stuff like that. Sure. And, um, that's really where I got into musky fishing, I guess. Um, I, I guess oh, I, should, I should say this first. I guess I'm, I'm a full-time firefighter here in the city of Manitowoc. I live just south of Green Bay in Manitowoc. Um, the business that I co-own with my partner, uh, English Sport Fishing, we fish out of Green Bay almost exclusively. And uh, my business partner, Scott Valeski, is also a fireman. So oh, okay. while I was going to tech school, um, when I lived at home yet, um, I started, I, I still love to fish for pike, especially like big pike. And then I would do bass and all sorts of other stuff too. But I remember going to work and there's a group of guys there that were really, really into musky fishing and they kind of were giving me crap. They're like, what do you want to fish for pike for? Like, if you like pike fishing, oh, you should try this, you know? And I'm like, all right. And they just ruined me, man. I can't, (laughs) like, I I go fish for other stuff and I I do love the walleye fish and everything else still, but man, it's like, I I remember I had my first follow on, on random lake in Southern Wisconsin there. And it just, it, 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 I, I tell people all the time, it's the only fish that ever gave me buck fever. You know, I yeah, got to follow. For sure. And I looked at my buddy and I, I was just shaking. I, I said, dude, I just, I just got to follow. I just follow. And he goes, yeah, that's great. Get your effing bait back in the water. He says, <laughs> like, oh, geez. Like, yeah, good call. You know, but, but it was one of those where it just shook me so much. I'm like, holy cow. You know, I finally saw one and it, 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 it just, Lights you know. Lights a fire underneath you. It's one of the. It's oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so, it's such a thing. I mean, it's so cool. And now guiding too, seeing people get to catch their first monsters, man. Like it just, That's it's cool. such an experience. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world is to bring people out and to have them uh, be able to catch their first muskie with me. But yeah, I think the first time I went, I went with a, a guy who was probably like my dad's age. He was older than me, but not like a real old guy or whatever. But he, he took me out and we fished, uh, Pewaukee Lake and we fished Okachi Lake that day and, and I caught a big pike and he had a couple follows for muskies and I'm like oh man this is this is so cool you know this is awesome and it's it, one it, of the, it took me a long time to get from from that point where I'm like okay this is awesome and it took me almost two full years of chasing them hard to finally put one in the net myself like my friends would catch them i would get follows i would hook them i would have any possible thing i had i remember out in Okachi lake once i was throwing a bulldog and i had a big musky following and there was just a little bit of blade of grass and it was back when they still put those top hooks on the bulldog sure. and uh i'm like that one little weed and it didn't eat it i'm like oh my gosh and i and i remember i was fishing with one of my my best friends in the world now adam stens uh when i first, finally caught my first musky i was throwing a a small bucktail on Pewaukee Lake and I had one come up in the figure eight and I caught it. And I think everybody on the whole lake knew we caught one that day. Cause I was hooting and hollering <laughs> and we're hugging. And I'm just, it was just, you know, a great experience. How you know? big was so, that fish? That fish was 35 inches hey, and it was, it was awesome. like the coolest fish in the world at that point in my life. I'm like, that was so cool. You know, to have it come up in the eight and we'll talk about that more later, obviously, yeah, but sure. it came up and followed up and, smoked my bucktail and you know we were hooting and hollering it was just it was such a cool experience and i was kind of happy you know there's guys or people that go out and it, sometimes it's like deer hunting where somebody will go out and their first time out they'll catch a giant or something like that i was happy that i had to work for it because it made it so much sweeter when i finally got one i was like oh it was just it was so rewarding it was really cool yeah they're definitely one of the only fish that keeps you coming back when you're not catching them 
Like if I oh, it's crazy, if I, if man. I go it, bass it just, fishing and I'm not catching them, I just okay, I'm done. If I'm musky fishing, and I'm not catching them. I'm I'm still I'm just like okay, you know, nine thousand more casts is all I need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I try and explain to people who don't musky fish the idea, and and the best way that I really got to get my point across is to tell them it's kind of like bull hunting for big bucks. Like if you go out in a day and you see a couple of good deer. That's a good day. Like oh, I tell absolutely. people all the time, it's like we go, we're going to go fishing for eight hours, and we're going to have hopefully <laughs> one, one or two chances. <laughs> yep. And you know, it's like we might, and if we're casting, it's like we might see one or two. We might get one or two bites, and you either catch it or you don't. And I mean, even in a day trolling with all the rods out and everything like that, it's like if we catch two in a day, we're doing very well. But the chance at any moment when you're out there that you could catch the biggest fish you've ever seen or anybody, you know, in, in their whole life, like they, there's this monster in green Bay. And that's how I ended up moving up here. Really. I got done with school. Um, and I had just caught my first green Bay muskie that fall. Like when I got done with paramedic school and I was like, I knew I, 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 I didn't have, you know, I was single. I didn't have any kids, anything like that. So I could go wherever I wanted. And it was like, all right, I know I want a muskie fish. I know I want to be a fireman. And I was applying for jobs in northern Wisconsin. I was applying for jobs in Minnesota. Okay. And that, that year, I caught my first Green Bay muskie. One of my friends had booked a trip with another guy out here, Chris Barch, who is an awesome muskie. He's a, he's a muskie wizard. The guy is awesome. And uh, we went casting, and it was like an hour and a half into our day, I caught a 48-and-a-half-inch muskie. It was the biggest fish I had ever encountered, anything like that. And it, it, it blew my mind, and I'm like, all right. I need to move to this area and fish for these fish. Like literally my whole life changes that day. And I applied the Fox Valley technical college is the college that runs the hiring process for all the fire departments in the area. I think I applied to seven different fire departments in the area. And Manitowoc gave me a call and I'm like, I'm in, I'm going there. It's 30 minutes from Fox point bolt launch. It's an hour from O'Connell. Like I am so in whatever, sign me up. Whatever you know? and, it takes. Yeah. And that was all. And my mom laughed at me. She's like, really? You're making your life choices based on fishing and i'm like what would you expect if she goes yeah that's that's fair you know so, <laughs> yeah so, young kid um, at, at that age getting the itch to musky yeah. fish you might as well move closer oh, to the yeah. best fi- one of the best fisheries in the world are you yeah and, and green bay is yeah. such a incredible fishery too because i mean you look at the musky zinc like the lunge log they call it where people from all over the country and canada can submit their catches for muskies and and um Basically, it's just to keep track of the muskies that people catch over a year. And there's awards for each month, the lunker of the month, they call it, and everything else. But they post in their magazine the top, you know, 15, 25, whatever, biggest fish caught each year. And every year, that top 10 has got at least two or three fish from Green Bay. Like, it is one of the best places to fish in the whole country, if not, you know, anywhere for muskies, for big muskies. Yeah. And walleye and smallmouth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's definitely big walleyes. Yeah, I mean it's uh, for growing up as close as I did to Green Bay. I did, I started fishing it later in life, and and uh, I mean, so a lot of my friends are are really into the walleye stuff. So I never I never went with my friends spring walleye fishing until one year, uh, my friend's dad caught a 52 inch muskie trolling a flicker shad in the spring for before muskie is open. Maybe I'll try that walleye stuff Maybe too. I'll that sounds that. Yeah, right. you know? Why not? Yeah, yeah. And, and and I do love that now too. You get out there in April and you can throw those ripping wraps and I mean catching, you know, twenty eight inch walleyes over and over and every every now and then you pop one that's thirty or bigger. It's just 
it, it spoils you for any other kind of walleye fishing that you're going to do where you're like, Oh, you know, I, and, and, you know, I, I say it and sometimes people, you know, don't believe me or whatever, but there's days out there where you're catching them and catching them. It's like, Oh, you want a picture? And it's like, Oh no, it's just another 28. And you kind of shrug and you go, okay, that's pretty neat. You throw it back. And you know, you know, yeah, people see, that I, fish Winnebago or other places are like, come on. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not making that up. It's just, it's just that and some days are that, really good out there. It's, that, it's such a great fishery, you know. That, that's something we don't have the luxury of having over here. Is sure. the Mississippi River? I mean, is yeah. our closest, and there's great fish there, but not in the same. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean if I'm catching same. a 28, it's probably going to be the biggest of the day, and I'm definitely taking a picture of it. Yeah, it's, it's sure. not going to be. <laughs> no, oh, no, it's right. just a 28. And not to say that I don't like catching 28 in fall. Oh no, but they're man, fun. It's a blast, but it, it's a certain point where you get so spoiled here. I remember the first time I fished the Fox River in De Pere. Um, one of my friends took me when I was in high school and, you know, the biggest walleye I had caught was like a 25 incher on a local lake in West Bend. And, um, you know, we got there and the first fish I caught was a 26 and I'm looking, I'm like, dude, it's a 26. He goes, Oh, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> he goes, Oh, do you want a picture? And I'm like, well, yeah, this is the biggest walleye I ever caught. And he says, Oh, by the end of the night, you'll be trying to shake them off. And I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever, you know? And, and you do, you get instantly spoiled. You start catching them and some days are tough. Like it's still fishing, obviously. But in the spring, man, if, if you get on them, it's just silly how, you know, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds like 25, that's cool, whatever. And you're like, oh. and you just, you know, you think like, oh, if we were on Winnebago, that'd be the fish of the year, exactly. you know, and here you're like, oh, whatever, that's cool, yeah. you know. We, so uh, we, went, uh, we went to Green Bay for my bachelor party in April and uh, did a guided trip with, uh, with actually – uh, your, your, yeah, your, uh, business partner, Scott and a couple of his sure. guys yep. uh, at the time, 2016 we did. And you know, Hey, yeah. we have one guy in every group of friends where you're like horseshoe, right? You know, like that guy. Has, oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yep. If you're going to, if you're going to put your money on anybody to catch the biggest fish, shoot, shoot the biggest buck, the guy that, you know, is always like, Oh yeah, no, I never, I never shoot anything. I never, I don't ever have any good luck. Right. That guy right, right. at my bachelor party, 32 and a half inch walleye. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That, in Scott's that, boat. That, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, man. I, I caught my biggest one ever this year and I've been doing it for a lot of years now. I caught my, it was just shy of 32 inches, man. It was just a toad and That's it's amazing. The, the quality of fish that are here. It's just, it's so cool. And in the spring, especially it's such a blast going after them too, you know, for sure. So you move up to, mm-hmm. uh, move up to the green bay area how so how yeah. did you roll that into becoming a guide and, sure. and, and well, st- starting that whole thing obviously you have a business yeah. partner in scott um, yep yep so how'd that go or sure know. sure so um i started at the manitowoc fire department in 2016 and uh i i moved up here you know i had a small boat i had a small apartment and there was kind of like a sketchy trailer park across the street from my apartment so i had a lot of friends from my area that wanted to come and stay with me and we would go fish, you know, every chance we got and being a fireman, you know, off the bat, you're working like 10 to 12 days a month. So that was, you know, a main motivation to get that job <laughs> and be able to fish all the time. I was like, this is going to be great. One of my friends, good friends, uh, is now a firefighter in Maryland. He was, uh, he kind of had the same, he's like, we, we were started going to school and like, we, like a lot of kids, we talked about doing something in natural resources and we kind of, we're figuring out that that might not be the best way to go. And I'm like, well, what the heck should we do, man? He goes, well, I heard if you're a fireman, you work like 10, 12 days a month, and then you can just go fishing and hunting all the time. I'm like, all right, how do we do that? Sounds good. <laughs> so, 
So anyways, uh, I, I moved up here, yep, and, and I had a bunch of friends coming, and they would bring their boats, because at the time I was running a, a 16-foot Alumacraft that was from, like, 1978, and I had a, a motor on it that was a 9.8. It was old enough Mercury that it was a 9.8 out of 9.9. <laughs> and uh, it was a motor that my uncle gave me. It was a boat that I bought for, like, six or 700 bucks, and I wasn't taking it on Green Bay is the point. So my friends would bring their boat up, and I didn't want to park it on the street by the trailer park. So I, I started asking Scott. I knew Scott lived a little bit out, out of the city and stuff. And, hey, is it okay when my friends come up to fish if we just park the boat in your driveway? Like, you don't need to put it in a garage or anything, but just put it by you. And he said, yeah, sure. And, and eventually uh, I I was asking him all the time, like every weekend and all, like multiple days a week. It'd be like, I got friends coming up again. Is it okay? If he's like, dude, just stop asking. Just park it by the garage, plug it in. I don't care, whatever, but just whatever, you know? And, and I think um, that's what really started it. And Scott was already guiding at that point. He had started the guide service, I think, in 2013. And he saw me just with this fire for muskies. And I was going every single chance I got. And uh, I had actually gotten, when I first moved up here, one of the best things I did was join the local muskie club, the Titletown Muskies, Inc. Uh, club. And I met a bunch of guys who were crazy about muskies just like me. Like, I, I always tell people, you know, if you're not a member of your local muskie club, if you like fishing, like, a lot of times you go to a party or something and you find one guy and you're like, Oh, this guy really likes fishing. And, you know, and, and I could talk to this guy or whatever. And you walk into the musky club meetings and everybody's like that. There's guys and girls that are just nuts about it. And that, that was one of the best things. So I met a bunch of young guys who wanted to fish all the time. And I got to go just fish a bunch. And, um, I think that was, uh, the first fall that I was here, I got to fish a bunch. I caught a, a really big muskie. I caught a 53 and three quarter inch muskie fishing with a friend of mine, Tyler Herman. And, uh, it was, it was really great. And, uh, later that year, later that year, um, Scott and I were sitting drinking beers in his garage as so many great ideas come from, I think. And, uh, <laughs> he was, he was, garage yeah, beers. man, he goes, well, uh, he goes, why don't you, uh, you should get your captain's license. He says, oh, well, you know, what the hell am I going to do with that? I, I have a 16 foot tinner, you know, and he's like, no dummy. He goes, you can run my boat. And I'm like, Oh, and we work opposite shifts at the fire department. So when I'm at work, he's off and vice versa. So, um, Works out pretty good. it started off. I, I started, you know, running some trips and he would basically book them. I would go, I got my captain's license. I would go and bring the boat. And basically at the beginning of it, I would run the trip and I would get some of the money and I'd give the rest of the money to Scott. And then, as it went on, we did our first season or two and it was going real well. So then, um, after that, we decided to be more of a business partnership. We bought our last two boats together and, uh, awesome. now it's basically uh, a partnership with, with the two of us. So it works out really good. He's uh, a very good walleye fisherman. He's fishes all sorts of different tournaments, Green Bay walleye series, NWC, MWC, all these different walleye things. And he's actually a great muskie fisherman too, but his, like his jam is the walleye stuff. And I'm like a fanatical musky guy. So it works out very well between the two of us that we can cover all of our bases real well. That sounds awesome. That's a great partnership right there. Yeah. I mean, you both work 10 or 12 days a month and uh, <laughs> fish, the, right, fish the, right. rest of the, fish time. the rest of it. Not so bad. Well, yeah. I guess kind of to, to move on kind of into the more nitty gritty of, of what we're getting after here is, uh, um, obviously you fish a lot of big water in green Bay and do you Mm -hmm. ever, do you ever do guided trips or anything like that? Or do you still get back to fishing some of these smaller lakes, you know, the more 
inland lakes, if you will, other than Green Bay? Yeah, yeah, I definitely the 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 musky stuff really calms down. Basically, our opener, like we we talked about, you guys talked about earlier, is this weekend, and the first couple weeks of the season are very good for musky fishing. And in the middle of summer, it kind of dies off, so the fish kind of disperse. They kind of go out in the bait, excuse me, and chase bait and stuff. And it's really hard to target them at that point. So we do a lot of walleye stuff at that point, and we do some smallmouth bass trips as well. But I do like to go. I have a friend who lives in Saint Germain. He lives right on Big Saint Germain Lake, uh, almost right by between Fibbers and the Big Saint Germain Boathorn. So I go up and stay by him, and uh, I'll musky fish that Violet County area. Okay. And then every year. Um, mid-july i try and do a trip as well uh two years ago i got to go to lake of the woods in canada and that was absolutely awesome that was a really great trip um and then last year with everything going so crazy they didn't let us come back to canada so we ended up going to minnesota (laughs) we went to lake vermilion and that was a really neat trip as well oh yeah yeah um we didn't catch as many as lake of the woods but we saw some giants and that's kind of what you go to vermilion for it's pretty neat but um oh yeah yeah and then this year we're going to be going to Cass and Bemidji, but yeah, I definitely still get down and fish my home areas every, you know, I, I still fish random Lake. I still fish Pewaukee every now and then. Um, there's a really deep, big clear Lake just uh, kind of West and South of us, Elkhart Lake that has some pretty nice muskies as well. So I definitely, especially that mid summertime, um, I do still get around and fish some other smaller lakes as well. Awesome. Well, when you're, have you gone, have you gone, so you fished Lake of the Woods, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Have you gone to any other states to like chase muskies? I have not. I have not. I really, um, like cave. And that's the tough part is I have, I haven't gone to cave run yet. That's on my list. The West Virginia thing is kind of starting to blow up too. They're getting some really big fish down in West Virginia. And it's one of those down there. It seems like, yeah, yeah. And it's neat because you can target them basically during our winter or way before our season's anywhere near, you know, before we even have our ice off yet. So sure. that's on my radar or something to try out. Um, but the tough part is a lot of people are like, Oh, you want to go, uh, you want to go fish Mille Lacs in October or do you want to go fish Detroit lakes in September or this or that? That's like September and October on green Bay are prime time for trolling. <laughs> and any day when I'm not fishing green Bay, I just feel like, I'm missing it. Like I used to be a, I used to do a ton of goose hunting and a ton of duck hunting back when I worked at Cabela's. Same that was here. kind of a big thing in my life. Yeah. And I caught my first Green Bay muskie and I still deer hunt. Like I still go up north uh, and we basically cut off our trips at the end of October. And Just after that, I deer hunt. But, you know, and, and I have some time to do that. But man, even the last few years, I'll take, if I have a day off in October or something and I, and I don't have a trip, I'll, I'll sneak out and bow hunt. But, I just find myself sitting in a tree thinking, I wonder if the muskies are biting today, you know? So I really, it's a tough time for me to go on these different, and, sure. you know, guys from the muskie club are going to Minnesota in September and it's like, man, I would love to experience that, but I, I can't leave here with that time of year. Like there's, I just can't do it, you know? Yeah. Especially, especially Green Bay. Cause the fish are just as big, if not bigger. Oh yeah, like. for sure. So for sure. That 60s. Yeah. And the short time I've been here, you. I've been, What's that? That 60 is out there just waiting for you somewhere. They, they got to be. I, I hooked and lost the fish a couple years ago on the Fox that was one of the biggest muskies I've ever seen and still to this day. And I've been fortunate to handle some really big fish in the short time that I've been living here. And this one was just unbelievable. It was one of those where I came up and grabbed my bait and it turned sideways. And that fish just, you know, it turned and you saw the head 
and it just kept going. And you're like, holy <laughs> crap, where's the tail going to be? And it just, it looked it like in my mind, I thought that fish doesn't look right. Like there's too much fish there. And it, it just, <laughs> that's not a muscle. And at that point, shark. you know, I, yeah, yeah. And at that point, you know, I already, already caught a 55 incher, which is, you know, world-class fish for oh, sure. And yeah. I looked at that and I'm like, Oh my God, that is just a monster, you know? And, and it's, it's crazy, man. That's the thing I, I, I already said it, but at any moment while you're out there, you could just encounter something that nobody's really ever handled before. You know, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Crazy. I mean, with just the yeah. the bait that they can feed on out there, it's just they're there. They're and they there. are just gotta find. They're them. there, and they're that big for sure. And they just, right. they don't right. they don't bite. Right, they, they don't bite often. Yeah, exactly. Well. As yep. we're getting closer to musky, you know, the musky opener here, there's going to be a lot of guys, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys fishing the Fox, like you said, over in Green Bay, but there's going to be a lot of guys fishing some of these smaller lakes around. So when you're pulling up to not necessarily a new lake, but, uh, you know, a different body of water than what you typically fish, what sure. type what type of structure are you looking for this early, you know, this early in the season? Sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, this year is going to be, it's, it was an early spring and it's a little bit of a later opener for us. I mean, it's always the, the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, but this year it's, it's so late. The, the 29th is a pretty late opener for us here in Wisconsin. But um, generally, you know, you're looking at those fish um, still being in the shallows, possibly just coming off the spawn. Um, you know, if there's emergent weeds coming up, they're probably hanging around that area. A lot of times, you know, depending on what kind of lake you have to kind of keep perspective of what kind of lake you're looking at. Like random Lake is a lake that I, I uh, fished a lot when I was first starting and it has a lot of small muskies. It doesn't necessarily have numbers of big fish. So in that kind of lake, I'm, I'm definitely assuming that a lot of those fish are going to be fish staging kind of in shallow bays and tight to shore, even on break lines and stuff like that. But on a lake where I might be targeting bigger fish, sometimes those big fish, you know, they'll come in shallow and, and spawn and things like that, but then they're going to kind of slide off and, and it's more likely that they're going to be off of a break line or in, in a little bit deeper water to feed. Um, but basically when I'm attacking a lake, so I'm looking at a lake that I haven't fished before, I'm going to be looking at obviously the, the structure there, if there's points and inside turns and, um, you know, bays and, and, anything like that, obviously like mid lake structure, humps, rocks, things like that. Um, but one of the big things that you can't see looking at a lake map is what the weeds look like there, you know, sure. and obviously like some, some lakes up North, you know, the rusty crayfish wreaked havoc on it and there's the weeds are still trying to recover from that. The pike chain was one of them where now, now it's got some milfoil in it, but the cabbage beds that were there, you know, aren't, aren't what they used to be or they're rebounding or whatever, but, if you can find the big, big broadleaf cabbage, they call it, um, I'm sure that's not a technical name, but <laughs> the big, big green leaves on it. Yep. And if it comes up, like if I, if I am trying to catch fish on a lake, I haven't fished before. And if you can find something where you have a little bit deeper water, say maybe eight, 10, 12 feet of water with cabbage coming up and leaving you just a, a hand, like say two to five feet at the top over the cabbage, that's where I'm going to start. Just okay. about every time. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I, I kind of try and take a technical approach when I'm starting a new lake. Like my, my buck, my, I'm sorry, my baits that I, my go-to baits are going to be a bucktail or a bulldog, like a rubber, a bucktail, I mean a, a double spinner 
Um, usually with number eight, Colorado blades, something like a uh, musky mayhem showgirl, or, um, there's all sorts of different brands of them, but, uh, double bladed bucktail with the flash of boost skirt, um, is just a classic bait that I, I, I always tell people if I don't know what to throw, I'm going to start with a big black bucktail and then I'm going to throw a walleye colored bulldog after that, which is just a big long rubber bait, um, with a big rubber tail on it. It's, uh, for people who don't musky fish, if you musky fish, you definitely know what a bulldog is. But if you ha- if you haven't musky fished before, if you go to your local, you know, fleet farm, co- whatever Cabela's, Shields, if you go down the musky alley, you'll see some really big, especially to a non-musky person, they look ridiculous. Like I remember when I first started musky fishing, and I'm like, what you're gonna throw that and reel it in? Like, are you kidding me? Like, no some way. Them, some of them they call some of them pounders because they weigh up to a pound. The big ones weigh exactly a pound. right. Yeah, I remember, you know, yeah, when I first started, the the regular bulldog, which is probably, I mean, if you stretch out the straighten out the tail, it's probably like 15 inches long. I'm like, yeah, this is, this, they'll eat this? And now I think of it like, oh, that's a smaller bait. That's like a medium, <laughs> really small is. bait. You know, it's, it's crazy how your perspective changes. Yeah, but um, sure. I, I generally will, will work that first break line, um, work over weeds, work to the weed edge and out a little bit. Um, I... Fishing Oconomowoc and Okachi in those deeper, clear lakes like that, I definitely tend to shade to fishing deeper than a lot of people. Like the the classic, you know, uh, people my dad's age or even a generation older than that, it was all, I shouldn't say all, but it was almost always you'd fish real shallow, you'd fish in weeds, and you'd throw a real small bucktail like a Meps Musky Killer or a Stewart, and you'd just fish those weeds, and that was it. And, um, Definitely, like, right kind of before I was getting into the musky game, but there was definitely a revolution in the early 2000s when they came out with the the double cowgirl, which is a big, giant, I mean, uh, bucktail. They call it a bucktail, but it's got, like, tinsel skirt on it, and the the blades are probably as big as the palm of your hand. It's a number 10 Colorado blade, and there's two blades on there, and and it really changed the way that people fish because it made it so that you could fish not only deeper, but you could, you could throw these big giant baits in the muskies. There's nothing that's too big for a muskie to eat unless they can't fit it in their mouth. Like they're not scared of anything. So, I mean, the baits have really grown in the last 20 years to just, there's just, like you said, there's pounders, there's two pounders, there's just crazy giant baits out there. And, uh, are you throwing, so, are you throwing those bigger bucks, like those tens, um, and some of these bigger bulldogs, are you still throwing those early in the year? Um, or, um, or does that trans, you know, cause I hear a lot of guys, you know, start small in the spring and, you know, smaller right. bucktails and then move as you get closer and closer to fall, kind of up your sizes as, as the year goes on. Is that. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a classic thing. Um, I, I definitely think there's applications where big baits do work in the, in the early season and in green Bay, the thing with fishing green bay in the early season is that you're fishing almost exclusively super shallow water so in order to try and throw like a mag dog or something a magnum bulldog it would be really tough to keep it off the bottom or keep it from getting snagged up right away because i mean we're literally if we're fishing the fox we're casting right to shore and i mean you almost want your bucktail or your bait to land right by the rocks on shore and then just pull right from there and so generally we'll fish top water we'll fish bucktails we'll fish like smaller swim baits or smaller rubber baits but um, not necessarily because a muskie won't eat a big bait that time of year in my mind, but just so that you're able to fish it and keep it off, 
you know, off the bottom and sure. stuff like that. Sure. Um, but there are definitely applications. Like we do fish, uh, some clear water in Door County and stuff like that. And there's spots where, you know, there's going to be a fish maybe hiding under a dock or doing something like that. And if you can throw a bigger bait, that's not going to sink fast. That can be a really nice, you know, you can throw it out. And if it hangs there right in their face, they can shoot out from under that dock and grab it. It might gather a little more attention than a, a smaller bait, you know? Sure. Absolutely. That makes total sense. So <clears throat> how does, how does that, you know, we, we've talked, like you said early, what, what are you targeting structure-wise? Same type of structure as you get later in the season? Or, you know, those fish are moving out deeper as the, you know, like you said, when you start getting into that September, October range, mm-hmm. what, what are you starting to fish deep then? So Green Bay is kind of a unique fishery in that there's not, it, it's, um, the, the fish are, I mean, muskies are going to relate to bait anywhere you go. So, like, if you're fishing Elkhart Lake or you're fishing, you know, any lake that's deep and clear and it has ciscoes or other big, big bait fish like that, and they're out in the open water, those muskies are going to relate to that. On Green Bay, the main forage for these fish is shad so and perch and other small fish like that. But um, basically, the whole summertime and fall bite is driven off of the perch. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So in the spring, basically these fish go into shallow tributaries and bays and they go through the motions of spawning. So there's no natural reproduction on Green Bay for muskies. It's purely uh, dependent on stocking from the DNR and from muskie clubs. Really? But, I did not know yep, that. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. What is it about them that can't, they can't naturally reproduce? Do you know? Well, uh, there's... <laughs> I could nerd out on this topic for quite a while, but I'll give you the short version. <laughs> they are trying to figure that out right now. They, there was a big study, a multi-year study from the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Um, they teamed up with some guides and some other fishermen and, and through the muskie clubs and stuff. And basically they um, found where pairs of muskies were in, in shallow bays and places and in, in, in rivers and stuff that they could go and, and collect soil from under them and their nests per se. I mean, they, they're kind of broadcast um, spawners, so they don't actually have a nest like a bass. But sure. where those pairs were and where they tried to spawn, and basically they took samples from that soil, and, and in addition to that, they, they caught fish that were caught by anglers. They would go and respond in a boat, and they would basically sedate that fish and have it in a revival tank right in their boat, and they would do a surgery on it and implant a radio tracker into like, I think I'm going to get this wrong, but like 60 or 70 muskies. Wow. And basically they tracked the, the, um, where they went over the year. And they were trying to find if there was anywhere where they actually had successful spawning and out of, you know, thousands and thousands of eggs and everything else they, there was like, uh, less than 1%. It was like, they found uh, a handful of successfully spawned, like fertilized eggs out of like a million, like a crazy amount of non-successful. Really? Basically they're trying to figure out if there's a, a way that they could um, make better spawning habitat or something else in order to try and encourage these fish to be able to naturally reproduce. But right now it's really, um, we're actually, we're waiting at our musky club for, uh, they just finished up this project. It was, um, two different people's, you know, final 
project for their college degree and stuff. And so they're going to come and give us the whole synopsis of the whole thing. But basically what they found so far is that there's very minimal, almost zero natural reproduction on the Bay. And they're, um, That's really as far as I know, I, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they've been stocking them out here since 1989, which coincidentally is the year I was born, but they, <laughs> um, they, uh, it's, it's an incredible, you know, story that of, you know, basically like the wild turkey or whatever in Wisconsin where they had gone down to almost none. Yep. And now it's a world-class, you know, incredible fishery and it's all dependent on the stocking right now. So That's really cool. Um, I, I mean, that it's wonderful that our, our DNR recognizes that and, and is able to do those stocking efforts and, and continue to keep it a the great fishery that it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and still Um, at the same time trying to figure out the, you know, the, the why, the why, you know, why. Right. I mean, that, that would be incredible if they could make it a naturally reproducing fishery. I mean, you know, if you could look at the numbers on St. Clair, which is a natural reproducing fishery, if you could get even an ounce of what they have going on over there, that would just be crazy. That would be awesome in my opinion, but just make it that better of a fishery. Right. Right. But anyway, I got off track, which I happens all the time. But anyway, we uh we started this discussion by saying that they go they, they go through the motions of spawning. So when we're targeting them early season, they're generally in tributaries, uh, right along the banks, fishing real shallow, or they're in shallow bays and same kind of deal. They're very short oriented. They might be on rock piles and stuff like that, but they're definitely on structure. They're there not because the food is there, but because they feel like they should be spawning or they just got done trying to spawn. And it's very much related to that. And those fish, right after they spawn, that's one of the only times that a Green Bay muskie is actually going to be hungry because uh, most of the time they can follow around clouds of shad and basically they can open their mouth and swim through and, you know, they're not hungry (laughs) anymore after that. So, yes, exactly. (laughs) So that's one of the reasons why they grow so fast and so big is because there's next to infinite amount of, of food for them you know so basically the only time when they're not food oriented is right away in that beginning of the season and obviously as soon as they get off the spawn they're looking to eat but um then after they get off the spawn after that first couple weeks of the season when they're still in those spawning areas and right adjacent to them they kind of disperse in the middle of the bay like i said and they kind of just are are roving and it's hard to target them for that mid-june to mid-july i would say even you know sometimes they're not not really a school you know a schooling fish like a perch or a a walleye right and you might find a few but right right you might find a few if there's a giant you know mile-long bait ball but it's not like there's going to be 10 muskies swimming together right there or anything so so yeah i can see where that gets a little bit more difficult (laughs) sure yeah so there's not really a lot of guys who even try targeting them in that midsummer range. But then um, at the end of summer, the perch push up onto the weeds and there's not a lot of weeds on Green Bay either. So there's a handful of West shore spots um, that hold weeds and that the perch and the shad push up to that. And that's when you really see those fish start congregating in an area again. So um, that August, like late July, August is a great time to target them casting again. That's when you're really going to start throwing your, you know, twin ten bucktails, your magnum bulldogs, your you know big swim baits like a Poseidon. Um, Putting the cause when they're when they're out there in the summer, they're 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 going to be much more prone to be eating big baits, and it's just easier to fish them that way too because you have 
you know, you're maybe fishing in eight to 12 feet of water instead of one. So sure. it's a lot easier to throw, you know, a big bucktail and, and, or I shouldn't say a big bucktail because it's got a lot of lift, but a big rubber bait is a lot easier to work over weeds, you know, in eight feet than it is to, to throw to shore and try and bring it in. Absolutely. Makes total sense. So, um, going back to the, you know, like you said, a lot of guys don't necessarily fish that midsummer uh, on Green Bay. Does that have anything to do with water temperature? Um, I know, like, kind of a topic in the musky world is not fishing uh, when the water temp gets above 80 degrees or, or whatever it is. Yep. Is, yep. is that one of the reasons, or do you believe the same thing because it just stresses those fish out so much, or what? What do you, what's your take? Yeah. And and that's one thing that they're definitely doing more research on right now. There's a couple different states, Wisconsin being one of them that are doing delayed mortality studies where they're going to basically have some muskies in a pond and they're going to fish for them, you know, when the water's below 80 degrees and then they're going to fish for them again once it's over 80 degrees. And they're going to basically see how those fish in that captive area do. But that is definitely a thing right now that um, is a common belief that if you target those fish, especially if you're fishing them like in deeper clear water and you pull them up through that warm part of the water. Like generally as a, as a rule of thumb, musky guys try to stay away from fishing in water over 80 degrees. And on the bay, those fish almost protect themselves because they're so hard to find that time of year that it really, it's like, even if you wanted to try and go fish for them, it'd be hard to find them. Sure. Um, so on green Bay, I don't think it, it kind of isn't necessarily connected, but definitely when it gets, you know, some of these summers, the last couple of years have been pretty hot and it, it, it definitely, you know, like on inland lakes and stuff, especially it's something to keep in mind that um, if you do catch muskies when it is that hot, there, there's a higher chance of them not surviving. Yeah. Obviously um, that's a big thing in the muskie world nowadays is the catch and release and um, trying to take care of these fish. Cause if you kill a fish when it's 40 inches, it's never going to, reach 45 or 48 or 50 or anything else so that's the big thing is trying to release these fish and and give other people opportunities or you know even catch them again yourself absolutely and they're they're a big fish but they're a they're a fragile fish it's yeah exactly so definitely definitely and we'll kind of touch on that here in a little bit too on uh, handling them and everything like that but um let's let's move into you know fishing darker water versus clear water i mean i know the i feel like the bay stays fairly clear throughout the year i don't know if that's true or not it maybe it's just me telling myself that uh, <laughs> but it does do you have a preference whether you're fishing darker water or clearer water and and how does that change the your your choice of bait color you know i i heard you say you'll basically throw a black bucktail anywhere um, yep and it is I, I assume that that translates to dark or clear water. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a handful of bait colors that will work damn near anywhere you go. You can fish a perch colored crankbait or a brown yellowish, you know, sucker pattern type crankbait, a black bucktail, a black and green bucktail, black and orange bucktail. That's um, my you know, natural way, black and orange. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a, that's definitely a great combo for sure. Um, but generally, um, if you're fishing like, I've fished Iron County in a couple places where the water is like, they call it like tea stain. Like you can't hardly see your bait. If your leader's in the water, you can't see your bait. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, the traditional answer is definitely to throw like a, you know, 
black and like fluid green type thing or a black and bright orange, um, something like that. Um, or like a fire tiger, something really bright that's going to be able, they're going to be able to see it a little bit better. Um, but again, still in all black, you know, that, that's kind of, I always go back to that because if it's dark out, all black shows up really well for them. If it's bright out, all black shows up really well for them. And you know, whatever the, the muskies eyes are on the top of their head. So basically like they're always looking up and if you have, whatever you have for a background behind that all black or all white, like they're going to see it for sure. Sure. Um, but, uh, to, to go more into your question a little bit, um, when I fish really clear water, I definitely do try and throw more natural patterns. So if I'm throwing rubber, you know, I might be throwing something that's white or silver or, you know, again, sucker brown is not a sexy color for bait, but, (laughs) but it works like a lot of the fish, and again, you know, you, you think of like a sucker or um, a perch or whatever. A lot of these different fish that muskies eat are mostly brown or, you know, that kind of yellow in color. They're and trying so, to camouflage themselves. So, yeah, they're always Exactly a, a right. So if color. it's clear and they can see, you know, maybe, you know, that bright orange bulldog with the gold glitter might not be the best option in that bright in that clear clear water you know sometimes i swear some of the colors and color patterns that come out catch more fishermen than they do fish yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely and and every now and then too like i remember we were fishing in violet county we used to fish the there's a a tournament in eagle river uh where you can uh the eagle river national or musky championship open whatever basically you can fish all sorts of different lakes there's thousands of guys that fish it but my buddy had come up with us and he wasn't really a big musky guy. He had a handful of baits or whatever. And there's a color of bulldog called orange sherbet. And it was like all bright orange on the top and all bright yellow on the bottom. And, uh, he's throwing it and we can see him across the lake. And we're like, what the hell is he throwing that thing for? He's not going to get anything. And he comes over and like, yeah, I had three follows. One almost grabbed it. I'm like, what? We didn't see a fish all day. I'm like, Oh my. So sometimes they surprise you. Like there's no, no hard and fast rules in musky fishing. There's sure. definitely, you know, but generally clear water, natural pattern or black, and then darker, I'm sorry, yeah, darker water, then you want to have something with more contrast. And a lot of times, too, even if I'm throwing, you know, um, I like to have bucktails that sometimes will have one shiny blade and one painted blade. So yep. I'll have like one yep. shiny black blade and one painted orange. So that way, there's an extra, as that bait comes in and you watch it, you can see that one orange blade really pops and then the other one's throwing a bunch of light and shining. And, and I think that can really be a, a game changer too as well. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> what if somebody's just starting to get out into musky fishing, listens to this podcast, lights a fire in sure. their belly, and they're saying, I'm going musky fishing. I'm going to Cabela's. I'm, I'm going, going to, to Cabela's. Yep. I'm, I, I got... Sure. I got hopefully a lot of money because it's, yeah, it's it can uh, be fairly expensive. Um, right. But what are like, is there a quote unquote one size fits all type of rod kind of an all around, you know, there's a ton of different rods out there for musky fishing. There's bucktail rods, jerk bait rods, bulldog rods, but is there like a certain size or weight that you've noticed is kind of a good, all around can do a little bit of everything and same with the sure. and same with a reel and in the line like what 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 would you recommend okay so I would definitely the, the the thing when guys start musky fishing and i was exactly the same way is guys want to go and buy 
a whole bunch of different baits and and have like every like oh, I got I saw this bait on the internet I'm buying this and buying this and buying this it's like you need to obviously it helps to have someone that you can go with that knows what they're doing in the first place and if they if you do then that person is going to have a big net and they're going to have release tools and they're going to have the thing a bump board and things like this where you're going to be able to handle that fish once you catch it because that's that's one of the biggest things we we always try and push that through our our muskie club and stuff like that we go to the wasaw muskie show every year and we have a whole booth called release and right where we we have nets there to show people and we have a hook cutter like a nipex hook cutter or something mm-hmm. that costs There's you one. know like 50 bucks or whatever but you totally know if you go and you it. buy the tool shop brand for menards and you try and cut a giant bulldog hook with it you're going to struggle but if you get that nipex you got one hand you go click and it's gone so i always tell people spend money on your supplies on your on your um on your release, release tools, tools on your yeah. net make sure that you're i mean you see guys out there trolling on green bay with like a little salmon net or a walleye net and it's like man you're gonna if you catch a big fish there's no way you're gonna be able to handle that fish you know Probably. in the way that it that it needs to be done right and then that fish is ultimately gonna pay the price for it so um you know without trying to preach to people i, I always make sure to tell them well you need to have that stuff first and then you know when you go to buy a rod i would say i mean the first musky rod i bought was i think it was like a seven foot six musky mojo from st croix and i bought like a shimano cardiff and i beat the hell out of that reel because i didn't know how to cast very well and i broke it in like two seasons but (laughs) but um (laughs) i would say that you know a lot of people when they first start they buy smaller baits because they're intimidated by the bigger baits and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but um something in like the eight foot to eight foot six range is what i would start with there's all sorts of rods out there you can spend from you know basically from a hundred dollars up to five hundred dollars easy on a rod alone um you know, so, um, you know, I know the bulldog rod is one that has, uh, you know, a very economical line. You can buy a musky rod for about a hundred bucks. Um, there's all sorts of different reels out there. There's a whole big spectrum as well as that, you know, you can buy a Tranks 500, which is an awesome reel and it makes it really easy to throw big bucktails all day, but you're yeah, in it for 500 bucks for when it. you buy it. So, yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think everybody kind of starts out and at least I did being a, you know, a kid in school where I didn't go and buy the most expensive stuff right away. But I guess, um, to answer your question, if you're going to like get serious about it, our, our client rods and the rods that I run right now for casting are, um, chaos tackle brands. They're called the shock and awe rods They're telescoping, which is super nice because as musty fishing goes and people keep making bigger and bigger baits and having longer and longer rods, it's, we have nine foot six rods for casting, what they telescope down to be under eight foot six. All right. It might even be under eight foot. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but the point is that, you know, I'm fishing with different people all the time. I can take that rod and, and um, contract it and put it down and it fits in the bed of my truck. It fits in rod lockers on the boat and I can have them and store them and it's super easy. But then when I go to fish, I can pull that rod out and it's nine foot six. I can make nice big circles on my figure eights. I can throw big baits. I can throw, you know, some of the biggest rubber, some of the biggest bucktails. And I'm not fighting to, you know, exhausting myself throwing those bigger baits. So that's another great option right there. Um, that's definitely something like if you're going to get into something that you're not going to outgrow, 
like that would be a great, you know, relatively low price point yet in the grand scheme of things compared to some of the custom rods and legend tournaments, St. Croix, all that sort of stuff. Um, the price point is still very good for those. And it's something that I would say you can start fishing with that and you're never going to need to buy a different one because it's not enough rod for you, you know? Um, and as far as reels go again, there's a whole grand spectrum, but, uh, for our client setups, we have Dio Alexa HDs. Um, nice reels. That's what I use. Yeah. I I love them. Yeah. I love my Dio. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they, we've had them for I think three seasons now for casting reels, and I uh, I use them too. I, I have I have a trank for my own personal rod that I, I bought just you know years ago or whatever. But the the Lexus are great reels. Uh, they came out with a new one from Daiwa this year. I don't have any sort of sponsorships or anything like that, so I can kind of pour myself around a different <laughs> companies and try them all out. But we have some of the smaller uh, um, like the Revo Toro type deals too. But sure. Really, the main thing to think about when you're going to pick out a reel is you look at the gear ratio and you look at the the line, the inches per crank on the the reel. So basically, like there's a, a Abu Garcia makes made one that it was one of the first ones that I know of in my mind. And I, again, I haven't been doing this forever, but one of the first ones that I was aware of that made it really easy to take in big bait was called the Revo Toro Winch. And, you know, I, I, I was fishing with another guy and he had one. And at the time I was fishing with that Shimano Cardiff, which is, uh, uh, you know, it just was a different geared reel. So when I would throw a big cowgirl, like a double 10 bucktail, I could throw it for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And it would just, you know, your arms would be sore. You're trying to crank it in and it would, every time you turn the reel, you're like, geez, this is really tough, you know, and you could only do it for 10 or 15 minutes, even as a, as a young kid, you know? And so, um, I, I had fished with an, another friend's dad or whatever, and he had one of those winches, it was called, and, you know, I put on a, he goes, try this out, and I, I started reeling, and it was so easy to reel it in because it was geared differently, you know, so it made it so that you could cast those bucktails all day, and it really was, was super easy. Like, it was just like you're reeling in anything else. You know, you could have been reeling in a, a frog on a bass reel, and it would have been sure. the same motion. It doesn't. It's that much less effort. And then... You know, I bought one of them. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then when I fished with Chris on the guide trip, he had Tranks, the Shimano Tranks. And this is a, is a reel that it's, I remember when it first came out and we were, I was working at Cabela's and my friend brought it over. He goes, look at this thing. It's giant. It looks, you know, it barely fits reel. in your hand. If you hold it in your hand, it's huge. And the, and the knob on it, the handle is really, really big. But man, it's incredible. It, it brings in bucktails super fast. You could throw, you know, they call it a supermodel is like, uh, giant, like the blades are like as big as your hand and, and it, you can just cast it out and reel it in. Like there's no, no extra effort and it's a lot faster. So now, you, can you know, the, the winch was, the winch was great because, Oh, it's great. You can reel in big bucktails and you don't get tired. But now in hindsight, looking back at it, it's so low. It seems like, you know, compared to the, the other reels. And that's why people end up paying these high prices for reels. And I do it myself because you can, you know, you, you say, all right, that's great. I can throw a big base, but I want to go faster, you know, and then you end up, you know, working and working until you end up, you know, and it depends how much you get into it, obviously, as well, too, is what, what kind of price point you want to get to. But um, that's that's what you really get when you buy the highest end reels is that you're going to be able to throw big baits. They're going to move fast and you're not going to tire yourself out. So that's really what you're looking at when you look at those higher, higher end reels. And that's, I, I would say, 
I, getting back to the original question, I would say spend your money on a good reel, buy an economical rod, make sure you have all your supplies, and buy a handful of baits and learn to use them very, very well. Like buy some bucktails, buy some rubber, you know, whatever, but make sure that you, instead of buying a dozen bulldogs, buy two and learn to use them and, you know, spend your money on, on that stuff, spend your money on electronics for your boat and just, you know, try and keep it to a dull roar on the musky bait. Cause everybody who starts musky fishing just wants to buy all the bait. And I, I've been there. I got a whole garage that's full of musky stuff. <laughs> Same here. And been I throw, there. you know, it's, 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 it's such a classic, you know, you get people into it and you, yeah, check it out. I went to the musky show and I spent a thousand dollars. I was like, yeah, well, and you throw you know, like, you great. throw, I, there's, there's, I've done that, gone in the musky show, spent a bunch of mm-hmm. money on baits. There's still some baits that I haven't even thrown yet. Exactly right, and I, <laughs> always, I always find myself like, "Oh, these baits are so cool." Well, that's it. that's it. that's on the same exact way. It's like at the end of the day, you have a big pile of baits, and you're throwing the same black binky that you threw for the last ten years or whatever. You know, because you caught crazy. two fish on it or whatever. It made you got you know, it right exactly because you have yep. confidence in yep. it. So. Yeah, you yep. go to you go to the musky show and you have like you know five or six beers and you're like, ah, this is the next best That's bait for That's sure. The, and then you come home. Well, and like, now the hard part is now the last couple of years I've been fortunate enough to be able to work at the musky show. So now, oh boy, you're at the musky show. You're there all weekend. And, you know, the drink cart lady comes by and you're like, you know, I was looking at those baits before. I think I'm going to go buy some. And you're like, oh. I'm going to go look a little closer like, What the time. hell did I do? Yeah, dang it. <laughs> you know, if you're there for a day and you leave, it's like, oh, maybe I should have bought that. And now it's like you're there all weekend for like three days. And you're like, oh, boy, I bought everything. I did it again. Dang it. You know? <laughs> you come, baits, shit you come home to your right. wife and you do show and tell. And she's like, what is going to eat that thing? That, <laughs> right, right. Maybe right. I should have had you with at the musky yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Right. So but it, it is fun. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I got into in the last couple of years. Um, I, I have a YouTube channel, English sport fishing on YouTube. And that's one of the things that, you know, everybody goes to the musky shows. Everybody's excited to see these new baits. And I started doing a, a line of videos that it, it was honestly, it was inspired by, if you guys are familiar with barstool sports at all, Dave Portnoy, yeah. he does oh, a, yeah. one bite yeah. pizza reviews. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, man. I can't not watch those. Like, I watch those. One like, bite, everybody knows my the rules. Look, my girlfriend's looking at me like, you're watching another one of them? It's the same thing every time. And I'm like, it's awesome. I don't know. I can't not watch it. You know, it's like <laughs> his personality. And, and it just, I really enjoy him. So anyway, last year when it was all the COVID lockdown, every all that kind of stuff, he started doing pizza reviews in his apartment and he was doing frozen pizzas. And I'm like, oh, well, that's yep. pretty interesting. And I, I still watched them. And I'm thinking. People were sending you know, him I, frozen pizzas. Oh yeah, they were sending them all sorts of crazy stuff. But anyways, so, so I was at um, at Scott's house actually, and he's got a really nice pond in the backyard and everything. And I I had his kid Parker come out. It was he's like ten or eleven or right around that age at the time. And I said, "Here, grab my grab my phone here. I'm gonna throw some of these baits in the pond and just kind of like every year, new baits come out and people get all excited. And you, know, you got to wait till musky season normally to throw them. But I said, "No, oh, let's just do some bait bait demos here, basically." And it's uh something that I started doing, like I said, last spring and it's uh it's been really neat. I got a lot of good feedback from it and stuff, and it's one of those where um I, I started off by doing baits that I bought at the Muskie show that year that were like new, like the Lake X D fifty two was the hot bait that oh, yeah. everybody was like, Oh my god, you know, and Lake X is like one of the hottest names in, in the musky sure, industry. Like sure. when Lake X comes out, people go nuts. Like yeah. I remember the first time I went 
their cannonballs. Two Muskie and, show and Lake X was there, and and the the line was just through the whole expo center. Like, what the hell's going on? It's like, oh, everybody wants these Lake X baits, and they go over and and then I now I know John from Lake X and stuff, and and their their top water baits are great, their rubber baits are great, but it's like everybody wanted to see what that bait could do, and so that was one of the ones that I did first, and uh, it, it's just a neat thing. And then I kind of went from there. I went and did like, all right, well, here's a bulldog, like. For people who don't know how to how to fish a muskie or how to fish a bulldog, I say, well, here's a, here's a bulldog, here's a depth reader, you know, here's a classic bait that anybody who's ever walked past a muskie hunter magazine on the shelf knows what it is, but they might not know how guys fish it, you know. So or I kind of started like doing that exactly, and that's the other part too. So that was something that we started doing, and we've had really good feedback from that. And I, I actually, John from Lake X. He called me. I put that video on, on my Facebook or whatever on, on English Sport Fishing page, and all of a sudden I get a call, or a message from him. Hey, Phil, this is Johnson. Like, I call me right away. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap. Like, I'm like, I hope he's not mad or anything. Like, I didn't steal his thunder with his new bait. Like, I was just trying to, you know, do, do some whatever. Good. And he, yeah, I, absolutely. I call him, and he's like, dude, I love the video. That was awesome. He's like, oh, can you can you show him how to cut the tail and this and that? and no and it was actually really neat. Like, and, and a lot of these bait building guys have have um, reached out and said, "Oh, this is really great," you know, and, and gave me more info and stuff like that. So, it's been a really cool thing. And the feedback from people who, you know, maybe don't musky fish or they're just learning or whatever, and the, and it's something that people can go on our page and look at. There's, I think we're up to like 40 of them now or something oh, where wow. they can go and take a look kind and of just kind of see library. what different. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of a, a neat thing where people can go and kind of. It's it's nothing it's nothing special. It's very low. I mean, literally, Parker holds my iPhone, and then I, I just started editing them this year. Last year, it was like I would just run it, and if something happened, it would just be on there. So, but just now I kind of yeah. yeah right now I edit them a little bit and I add a little bit of goofiness because that's my character too. But uh, sure, I actually watched one fun, this morning. You know? So <laughs> oh nice nice sure. was... and um and yeah, so that's been a neat thing too. As far as the baits go, like that's always you know people get. And, and it is, it's, it's one of the most fun things about musky fishing besides fishing is like, oh man, you know, you go to the store and you're like, oh, look at this bait. This is the answer. This is what's going to get them, you know, and everybody's got a garage full of stuff that was going to be the answer at one point. And now exactly. it's collect stuff, but you know, it's just one of the, the fun parts when you're not actually fishing to be able to, uh, pretend like to do that fishing. as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, I remember it was the musky show a couple years ago and you talk about those lines at the show it was mm-hmm. Lake X was in one booth and Kramer Bros were in the next booth and it was the year oh, they, yeah. they dropped oh, the, rev, the, the, rev, revolution. the revolution. And oh yeah! I mean, you. I don't think they they could have made a thousand of them and they would have sold mm-hmm. out. I mean, and you go back to you know you go back to new baits. They they've got hot new baits every year and mm-hmm. there were there were people buying ten or twelve of them, and it's just it's it's insane how many baits people buy, but. You know, if, if this is what your life is, you know, you got to have the next latest and greatest and you got to see, you know, what's out there. And, and I guess, you know, you, on your YouTube, you kind of, you know, show some of those and, and let people know how to use them. Cause I guess you buy these sure. new baits at the musky show and what's the true proper way to fish it. And, and so go, go check out English sport fishing on YouTube and, and check out the, the, the informative and goofy yeah, and, videos. And that's the other thing too, is, is watching some of these videos, you, 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 
you know, he throws a bait out. You think it's worked one way, but there a lot of these baits you can work them multiple ways. I mean, you can like like a bulldog. I'm a early mm-hmm. season. I'm a big fan of a straight retrieve, straight pull retrieve on a bulldog, and sure. and then you know later in the fall, guys start basically jigging them or you know or or pumping them through the water column yeah big rips and and yeah. even that way too like there's you know there, we, i was just talking with uh my friend kyle huntsleater we were out scoring today on the fox we were talking about how you know some guys do long pulls and some guys really hop them and do violent rips and stuff and there's it's just it's such a different like it's a neat presentation because everybody does it a little bit different and you know up until a few years ago i thought oh you know when you fish a bulldog you got to fish break lines you got to be in the deep you got to be you know, put the boat in 30 feet and cast into 15 or whatever. Or if you're fishing in, in 15, you got to cast out. But a guy took me up on a river up north and he said, well, just throw it like this, throw it out and keep your rod tip up. And if you're real fast and do a little pop, you can keep a rubber bait up above the weeds. And uh, it was a game changer for me. I started doing that with Medusas and Bulldogs. And it was like, holy cow, you know, fish just don't see that presentation that often no, and, and you know if, if, if they if they have bucktails that are coming straight a lot of times if you're having fish follow on a bucktail or you have a fish follow on a top water that just goes straight through the water and you give them something else if you give them something that's hopping or something that uh is going more side to side or pausing and stuff sometimes that'll get those fish to eat when other times you know they're not and they're not actually following up and eating those baits when they're when they're just coming straight through the water so so do you think that's on that straight retrieve of a bucktail and that quick erratic change when you get to the boat and you get into that figure eight do you think that's one of the reasons why the figure eight is you know one of the i guess i'll call it a tool one of the best tools in Mm -hmm. in a musky fisherman's bag i mean there's just so many fish caught on that figure eight do you think it's just that erratic turn and, or then erratic change of direction after they've been following it in a straight line for, you know, 30 yards or whatever it may be? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, for people who may, might not musky fish, so what we're talking about is you throw your bait out, obviously, and you reel it in just like if you're, you know, whatever, reeling in a, a spinner bait or something for a bass. But as you get closer to the boat, when uh, as you get to have just a couple feet off the end of your rod to your leader, will come around and do a big turn and, and come close to the boat. And you can do ovals, you can do what we call figure eights, but basically you're going to take that bait and you're going to put it in, in two or three different circles or eights or whatever. And a lot of times muskies will follow that bait. And you might not even see them, but they're curious, they're following it. And, excuse me, but um, a lot of times they will, you know, depending on what kind of bait you're throwing. So if you're throwing a crankbait, and you're kind of ripping it so that it goes down with a diving lip on it. It'll go down. And as it gets close to the bit, the boat, just inherently it's going to come up. And the idea is that when those fish, when the bait gets close to the boat, when that first turn is like the crucial time in a figure eight where that fish is going to a lot of times make a decision right at that first L turn because as they're following it in a straight line, they're thinking, oh, you know, I'm interested in this, but I'm not necessarily going to just smash it right off the bat. But they have such a predatory instinct where as soon as something tries to get away, and one of the best ways I've heard it described is like a cat with a laser pointer. If the laser pointer is just sitting there, or if it's moving straight, they might not go for it. But if you go in real erratic motion, all of a sudden they're going nuts and they're trying to chase it. So um, as that tries to get away from them, they see it as a bait fish or something else. 
and it's going and all of a sudden it has a sharp change in direction that can trigger them to grab it. And, and basically, um, you can, uh, um, they'll, they'll be following a bait and they just all of a sudden they, they decide that, you know, as it tries to get away, that triggers something in their mind where they, they decide that they're going to gonna grab it. Exactly. <laughs> it's right. Time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's trying to get away and I'm not going to let it, it makes them make a decision where, they're looking at it and it's going straight and they might not pull the trigger on it right away. But as soon as it tries to get away, they go, Oh, you know, it, I, I'm going to, I'm going to eat it right now. You know? Sure. Do you figure eight after every cast? Absolutely. Yep. hundred percent of the time. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. Unless there's literally like a giant ball of weeds. If there's like one piece of grass or something, eight, 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 every time. Like it is, you know, if I, if I, I definitely, you know, when I have clients in the boat, I want them to have a good time. I'm not going to holler at them, but, if I catch him not eating, it's like, hey, what did Figure I say? Eight. You know, I always give him a, a little spiel when I first could've start. It's missed, like, all right, you could have just missed one. Right, right. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're, you know, like I said, fish of 10,000 casts. You're looking for one or two opportunities a day. If you got a fish following and you just pull your bait, there's so, I mean, anybody who's ever musty fished, when you first start, you forget about it. And, I mean, you pull that bait out and there's, everybody's got a story where, they pull the bait out and a fish comes crashing into the boat almost because it comes, tries to grab it as you pull it out of the water. You know, it's like, Oh, there goes one. You know, it's like, Oh, there was your shot. That was it. You know, so it was your one chance um, for the day. <laughs> right. And, and, and that can be the way it is sometimes. So definitely I tell uh, clients all the time. It's like, I kind of give them a little spiel on, all right, this is how you cast. This is how you figure eight. You figure eight every cast. And I, and I always tell them hook sets are free too. So if you cast ashore, and I said, I'll, I'll take this, ranger 621 and put it in those bushes and pull a bait out but if you have a fish bite and you don't set the hook i'm not going to be very happy like i don't care if you pile drives that bucktail into a log i'm going to say good job you did exactly what i told you to do like don't i had a client last year and he's actually a really good friend of mine and he is a good fisherman but he 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 even called his cast he said oh there's going to be one right there and he cast it out and he started reeling and all of a sudden his line started swimming up river and he goes oh Oh, 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 and it, and it happens to everyone at some point, but all of a sudden he goes, oh, what happened? I go, dude, you just had one. Like, you lie, and he goes, oh, no, you know, and he goes, he didn't set the hook, whatever, but it was like, dude, that was it. You just, like, that was your, <laughs> that was it today, you know, and, and not that you're not going to get another bite, but it's sometimes it's few and far between, and especially casting, it's like, man, you know, it's a bummer when, when that opportunity is missed, and, and obviously it is what it is, and, and you know, can't catch every fish, but it was just funny because he's a guy that I fished with before, even before I guided and everything else. Like he's caught a bunch of muskies, and he said, "He goes, there's going to be one right there," and he casted. And he goes, "I thought I had a stick." I said, "What did I tell you?" I said, "Hook sets are free, you know, blah blah blah." He's, I know, I know, I know. I just I thought it was a stick, and it's like, ah, oh, no, you know. Um, but it's one of those things where um, definitely figure eight every cast, and like I, I can't tell you. I had another guy, another guy last year on the Fox, same deal. The water was really, really dirty, and it, it gets that way sometimes, and those fish can still feel your bait going through the water. They can still find it. They'll still bite. So he was casting, and all of a sudden, he, he you know, we're talking. It was after my guide trip was done. He's a friend of mine from the Musty Club. He just hopped in the boat, and we're casting, and, you know, we're having some beers, whatever. We're just fishing, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I, I have it on video. I haven't put the video out yet, but he – he literally, he's doing a figure eight and he's looking at me and he's talking. He's like, Hey, Phil, blow. And he goes, oh. and he goes, 
what the hell was that? And it, he ended up catching like a 42 incher that just grabbed his bait and he, he was, oh, oh I, I didn't know it was there. It's like, well, that happens, you know? And it's just, Absolutely. uh, I want to see that video. Sometimes it's like, I, I tell you, like, it's again, I, I bring it back to deer hunting. It's like you could be dialed in for nine hours straight in a deer stand and like you go to grab a Rice Krispies bar and that buck, it's like they know that you're not paying attention. You're not on edge for that one second. And then that's when they show up and look right up at you and start snorting. It's like muskies, I swear, they're the same way. Like you could cast 2,000 times perfect and do good eights and watch your bait and this and that. And then you look away and you cast and, and all of a sudden that's when you pull your bait out and that fish just slams the boat or something else and you're like, Oh, that was the only time I didn't pay. It's like they know it's crazy. Like it, 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 it blows my mind sometimes. But that's uh, it's the importance of the figure it, eight. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. How how many fish a year do you think you boat because of the figure eight? Like fifty cool. percent of your fish, ten percent well, of your fish. Well, it's it's um. It sounds weird to a non-musky fisherman, but it's very water dependent, I think. Like, we don't catch a ton of fish in the figure eight on Green Bay. We catch some, but we don't catch a ton. Um, but, like, Lake of the Woods, if you're not catching 50% of your fish on Lake of the Woods, you're not doing good figure eight. Like, it's that really? extreme where. Interesting. Um, and a lot of times, like, um, vermilion and stuff, pressured water, sometimes they'll, they'll follow and they'll kind of not quite follow up all the way to the boat or they're kind of boat shy or whatever. But, um, I mean, we definitely have caught them in the figure eight on green Bay. It might not be, I mean, it's definitely not 50% for, for me and my boat. Um, but it is, uh, I guess it would be hard to put a percentage on it, but it's, it's definitely vital to, uh, make sure that you do figure eights because it, it, it can give you a chance on a fish that you otherwise wouldn't catch when you're trying to fish catch one or two a day like it there's definitely time you know where like i said when you're not paying attention like we a lot of guys for the opener they'll decide to go and fish starting at midnight because they're so excited and i understand i used to do it myself and i, I tried that one year and you know we fished from midnight till like maybe eight nine o'clock and finally you know the sun's up you could see everything and it was the same kind of situation. I was throwing a, a boiler maker from Lee Lures, which is like a wood piece of wood on a bucktail. And it's kind of like between a bucktail and a top water type deal. And, you know, I've been casting and casting and casting. And finally, you know, I'm, I'm kind of losing my edge here. And I'm, I'm, I remember coming in and I, I did a really hard, like normally you do a big sweeping turn and I did a hard 90 degree turn and that fish, like I, I didn't see it till the last second. And it kind of like did a shimmy shake, like a, you know, like, I was getting juked out by a in football or something. Like I was like, Oh, which way is it going to go? And I did a hard turn and it was like, it couldn't make the turn and that fish shot off. And it's like, Oh, that was one, you know, finally I had an opportunity and I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't on attention. point with it, but it's just one of those things where like, I guess it's not as high of a percentage as like a Lake of the woods or something like that, but it is definitely still vital. They'll do it every time. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so we've talked a ton about casting. Um, sure. Do you, on on the big lake, do you find yourself trolling quite a bit? And we don't have to dive too deep into trolling, but it, oh, man. is that something I, you do a lot of? I absolutely love trolling. Like September, October, we are trolling. Uh, if, we're, if we're fishing, we're trolling, basically. So which I talked about when the fish move up onto the weeds in the late summer. 
after that, the shad start migrating down the bay. And basically the muskies follow them onto these big sand flats. So like if you go to Green Bay, you launch at Metro Boat Launch, like that lower bay area is a lot of sand, some rock, but there's not much for weeds. There's not much for structure. It is a big flat area. And as the shad migrate down, they get to the, the mouth of the fox and they move into the Fox River like towards the end of our season, towards November and stuff, but they just kind of migrate their way down. And so basically these fish are just roving on these big flats. So we go out and we troll for them. We can run three rods per person in Wisconsin. So if I have four people in the boat, I am definitely running 12 rods. Sounds and like a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, <laughs> it well, just sounds I mean, crazy. Honestly, like compared to walleye trolling or some of the other stuff that we do, musky trolling is super easy because you're going fast. Sure. And you have short leads on your baits. Like I'm running those baits back 10 to 40 feet as a, as a general rule, like anywhere in there. Um, so, you know, when you're trolling walleye crankbaits, you're going slower and you might have 120 feet behind your planer board, well, those baits are much more likely to get messed up because as you turn and things, they're going to be moving quite a bit more. If you got a short lead on your planer board, if you got 16 feet behind the board, that bait can do anything it wants, and it's really not going to get, you know, you spread your baits out and, and you run with planer boards to pull your boat, uh, baits away from the boat. And it really, it, it sounds intimidating, but... Um, I mean, I can, I can run those rods in my sleep at this point. It's really not something that I even think about much anymore. We, we were trolling between three and three and a half miles an hour most of the time, maybe a little bit less. Um, but that's basically the range. And uh, at that point, you can make pretty sharp turns. You can do lots of different stuff that you couldn't get away with if you were trolling crawler harnesses or if you're trolling, sure. you know, deep running walleye crankbaits or something like that. So, I mean, really, it it looks intimidating and it can be and if you don't troll or if you don't know trolling or if you haven't done planer boards before it can be a weird deal but it's really um it's 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 really fun and, and it's a great way you know if somebody hasn't musky fished before if they're you know younger we, we take you know basically any age that people want to come we have had kids as young as like nine catching muskies in the boat i've had kid, you know people that are much older that maybe don't want to cast anymore uh, maybe somebody wants to take their girlfriend wife significant other or whatever maybe their boyfriend doesn't musky fish they want to take them but anybody you know anybody can catch one trolling like you don't have to throw a bucktail for 12 hours sure. to catch one like you can come jump in the boat we drive around, we basically listen to the radio <laughs> and you know we eat some snacks we hang out and uh hopefully one bites like that's sure. how it rolls like i run all the rods i send them out and you hope that a drag screams and that a big giant muskie grabs on and sometimes they do sometimes they don't but it's uh i, I honestly like i like i said i used to do all the goose and duck hunting and i used to bull hunt quite a bit more and everything else and like i couldn't pick a better way to spend a day in the fall now than going out and trolling on the bay and it's just it's it's really great it's 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 wild and like i said in, in the short time that i've been up here i've been able i've been uh, fortunate enough to to handle some really really big fish we had a day a couple of years ago where i was fishing with a buddy i wasn't guiding or anything but he caught a 53 incher which was his biggest muskie by about i mean i think his biggest one he caught his biggest one with me before that which was a 37 
So uh, big change, that was his first big difference, big difference. So he sir. got a 37 <laughs> and, and he caught a 53 trolling with me. And then later that day, uh, I caught a 57 incher and it was just, it was, it was an incredible day. Like that doesn't happen fish. all the time, but, but the idea that that can happen on green Bay, like that is just, it, it's mind blowing. I mean, and, and uh, so another, another guide story quick, we had a guy that flew in from Wyoming. Um, he was coming into town for the Packer game, him and his wife. I met him at like two forty-five at the boat launch on a Friday night. And I had just had some clients who came in from one guy's from Indiana, one guy's from Illinois. Awesome clients. I hit it off with them right away. Like we were joking, we were quoting movies and stuff. They were drinking beers. And I was like, these guys are awesome. And they fished with me for two full days, like dark to dark fish with me. And we had one bite. We didn't catch the fish. So that was their experience. It was like Wednesday, Thursday, those guys were there. They left and I'm like, man, you guys are awesome. I hope you come back, but I'm sorry we didn't make it happen. And then this guy comes in Friday afternoon, 2.45, he meets us at the boat launch. We go out. Like I said, he's from Wyoming. He's never musky fished his whole life. And I'm telling him, like, I'm setting up the rods. I'm showing him how everything works. And I said, all right, well, you know, when one bites, you'll hear the drag screaming. It'll click, 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 you know, and you'll know that the fish is on and, you know, whatever. And this is how we do it. And I literally got the rod set up and it wasn't 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, just like that. You know, and I, <laughs> I, I pull the rod and I hand it to him and the guy catches a 47 inch muskie. And I'm like, he's just laughing. He goes, Oh, well, you know, Oh, fish of 10,000 cats. Yeah. That's hilarious. This is easy. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I promise it doesn't always go like this. It's like, you know, I'm happy that it did and whatever. I said, there's people that live and die and fish their whole lives, you know, in northern Wisconsin or in other places, and they never catch a 47-incher. But For sure. that's the beauty of, of the Green Bay fishery is that you can show up and it might might go that way for you. You might fish two full days and catch nothing. But um, the trolling just gives you such a an opportunity where you can run all those rods, you can cover a lot of ground, and you can, you can maybe get an opportunity for somebody who wouldn't be able to catch one and that, casting and that's or whatever. Or, and and not, not that I, I don't think there's anything – you know, like not that guys who can cast shouldn't troll. Like I, I love trolling. I have, I have no problem telling people like I, I love catching muskies, you know, if it's jigging or casting or trolling or on suckers, whatever. It's like, if I as can catch them, I want to catch them. Yep. It's hard enough. You can't, you can't, Oh, the trolling that's cheating. It's like, forget that. I don't know, man. That's crazy to me. It's like, you're just if increasing I can catch your them, odds I want to catch them. You're just increasing your odds by covering that much more ground. Exactly. You know. Right. Right. Those same guys saying that you shouldn't be trolling shouldn't be going out uh, in the deer woods with a rifle because it, it just makes right. it, you know, it's, it's the same. Yeah. It's that same analogy. Yeah. And that, and for me, it's the same kind of deal. It's like, I love shooting deer. Do I prefer to shoot them with the bow? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I love eating venison. <laughs> and if I can shoot one with the gun, I'm damn well going to do it because I love that too. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome too. I, I get just as excited netting a fish. That somebody reels in trolling is, you know, I, I, I get the shakes either way. Like, I'm good. I'm good to go. That's off. Awesome. You know, that's, whatever happens, I'm, I'm good with it, you know. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's something I've never done is trolled for big muskies. I've only ever casted for them. So, might have to it's, think about rigging my It's boat. a fun thing, man. It, <laughs> it's absolutely like, and, and I tell people that all the time. It's like, you know, I... I I, I joked about it when I first started the guiding thing. I'm like, you know, everybody's got these cool hashtags. I said, my hashtag's going to be drive, boat, eat, chip. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'd get ruffled that we go out there and it's like, you pretty much, you know, it's all right, get in the boat and then Point you just drive around and, and, and you hope that, 
you hope that one grabs it. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And it's not, it's not that simple. Like I've got a lot of things that I'm thinking about doing it, but at the end of the day, you're going to get in the boat, you're going to ride around, we're going to listen to some tunes and it's going to be a fun day. You know, that's going to be, and you're going to have a chance at a mega world-class, you know, biggest musty you've ever dreamed of type fish, you know? Do you troll so any other water besides Green Bay? Will you take that, that like those same tactics to an inland lake or do you like to stay out on Green Bay when it's like prime trolling time? Um, well, I have definitely trolled other lakes. Um, I, I guess, um, like there's definitely other lakes that I will go to and troll, especially like the, the difference is a lot of lakes, um, in the Northern Wisconsin area, you couldn't even troll them up until a handful of years ago. And now a lot of them, you can only troll one line per person. And sometimes it's up to like two or three lines per boat. Even if you would put six people in the boat, you could only still have, and I, I cover my, my basis here, but I think it's either two or three lines that you can even put out and it's like, all right, well that's cool. And I'll definitely still do that. Um, but at a certain point it's tough for me to go and troll two lines when I am used to trolling nine or 12 and feel like I'm still, you know, doing the the same thing, you know? Right. Right. Um, I definitely have caught fish trolling, uh, in Northern Wisconsin and in Southern Wisconsin and, and other things like that. But, um, I, I, I guess, the grand great 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 majority of my trolling is is on green bay and and it's because it's such a great fishery too like i, I said september october you can go troll violet county or hayward area or whatever in october and you can catch good fish for sure but the idea of how many big giant fish are in green bay like yeah. it's super hard for me to leave that area yeah. even to go suck like i love catching muskies on suckers i used to go and do that before I got in with Scott, I would go do that a couple nights a week. I'd go take some suckers and go to random or Pewaukee or wherever and, and do that. But you know, that time of year now, it's again, it's just so hard for me to leave Green Bay, you yeah, know? Absolutely. I mean that, that type of a It'd fish. It'd be like area. leaving to go walleye fish somewhere else in April when you can catch these big giant walleyes on Green <laughs> Bay. Like, well, why, why would I do that? You know, I, and it's I close to catch home. right here. Not so bad. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> is 12 lines the max you'll put out or is that the max you can put out? No, there is not. It is three lines per person. And, um, <laughs> some of the other guys have given me crap, but I, I haven't done it on a guide trip yet, but there's times where we get to, especially so like early September, we're dealing with a lot of weeds, a lot of floating grass, a lot of just crap in the water that will tend to get on your, we run, so we run a planer board and then we run an inline weight on the, on the line in order to catch the weeds. And then we run along like three, four, five, six foot leader, depending. And so interesting when there's so much floating junk out there, you have to kind of go through and make sure that you're not, um, you just have to go through your lines a bunch and make sure that, and there's times in, in late August and September where you're trolling. If you've got nine rods out, you'll start with, you know, rod one, you'll go through. And by the time you get to your ninth rod, you got to go back to rod one and get the weeds off again. because there's just so much crap floating around. And if you have a bad wind, it can be, it can be a long day that way trolling and you're really working. But by the end of the season, by late, mid, late October, you're not dealing with any of that crap anymore. So you're in the lower bay, there's hardly any floating stuff. And we, every year we try and make a day 
with some of my friends from the musky club. We'll go and put five guys in a boat and we'll run 15 or we call it party boat day. And I'm not guiding that day or I'm not even driving the boat so I can have beers and stuff. And like we crank up the music and we drive around with 15 rods and, and uh, usually people know when we're out there doing that because they can hear us coming, you know, yeah, for but sure. it's, it's a blast for sure. Do you guys run, um, down lines like bucktails while you're trolling in your prop wash? Yep. Yep. So that's definitely a thing earlier in the trolling season for me. Um, I don't always run a down rod, like, especially as it gets later in colder water. Um, I might not do that. And, and, uh, that's definitely a big thing trolling for muskies. Like a lot of guys, um, will run either a bucktail or a, a crankbait and they'll run it. Um, they call it in the prop washer on a down rod. So basically you'll take your back rod holder, especially the one closer to the kicker motor or one on each side. A lot of times I'll do, and you'll take that rod and you'll put the tip right down in the water. So, I mean, to the point where on an eight foot six trolling rod, I'll have six feet of that rod in the water and no planer board. And then, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 feet back max. And it'll be right behind the boat. Cause a lot of times muskies will be so curious. They'll come up and check out behind your kicker motor. And, uh, as you're trolling along, they'll come up and come into your prop wash and, um, and check out right behind the boat. So we've had it before where you're running a, a bait right there next to the motor. And all of a sudden that drag will start screaming. That fish comes up and grabs that bait right behind the boat. That's um, generally experience. with the planer boards and stuff, we try and get baits away from the boat, but, um, that's definitely case, that's something right in, that right in the boat, basically. Yep. Right. I mean, literally there's times where you're running, you can see that bucktail or that bait right down there. You can definitely see it on your side scan. And it's like, hey, there it is, you know, whatever. It's, it's always super, ex- like, it's extra exciting when the down rod goes off because you got the rod and that fish is right there, you know. And I had one that I caught a few years ago that we had the bait 13 feet back. And, you know, the rod starts screaming and you grab it. And that fish just grabbed and it went so wild that it, I mean, I think the, the clicker was somewhere between 80 and a hundred feet by the time I got it out of the rod. I'm like, Holy wow. cow. You know, it just screamed out there, you know, and, and muskies, they're not necessarily like a salmon. Like you're not going to fight a muskie for 45 minutes. You use really heavy line, you use a hundred pound braid and a heavy leader and everything else. So basically you're going to reel them in. And as they get close to the boat, sometimes they'll jump or they'll make runs and stuff like that. But generally fighting a musky trolling, you're not going to fight it for more than five minutes or so. Like it's going to be a short fight. They're going to come in, you're going to net them. You're, you're going to get them in and out in a, in a quick fashion. But, um, yeah, sometimes they really go wild too. It's pretty neat. So, so I, I've heard you talk or mention, you know, side scan a couple times, um, you know, talking sure. about the electronics on your boat. We've, we've had mm-hmm. some, we, we had a crappie guy on this podcast. We had a bass guy talking about how electronics have changed the game, um, sure. with the type of fishing that they do. Have you seen that translate to the musky world as well? Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, at this point, if you're, if you're fishing muskies and you don't have side scan, like I understand you, you know, whatever you can, you can afford what you can afford, but that's why I said earlier, like spend your money on your supplies that you need to, to take care of the fish, spend your money on a good reel. And the next priority is spending money on your electronics. If you can get something with side scan, that is going to change the way you fish because whether you're casting or trolling, you know, I, 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 I equate it back to the old deer hunter game on the computer when you could, <laughs> 
put in cheat codes and you could see the deer on the map and you're like, there it is. That's one right there. And, and when you're trolling, you know, you could troll over an area and if you're not, you know, a lot of times you don't mark muskies on your 2d sonar on your, your sonar shoots straight down from the back of the boat. And it's not often that you'll mark a muskie. You might mark bait and you might spark other fish, but when you're trolling three and a half miles an hour, you're not often going to mark a fish right directly. And you're trolling pretty shallow on Green Bay as well. That's the other thing. Like if you're fishing a deep lake, 100 feet basin or something, you'll mark muskies on your sonar. But if you're fishing six, eight, 12 feet, you know, that fish has to be directly under your boat in that narrow cone um, in order to mark them on your sonar. But with the side scan, you can send that beam out. And I, I kind of explain it to people that haven't seen it. You're basically, it's like a, a spotlight that shoots off of both sides of your boat and you can see the fish and you can see the shadow and you can tell how deep it is in the water column. And, and I have, uh, the last few years I've been marking every time that I mark a fish on my side scan, I'll mark a waypoint on my, on my, uh, fish finder. So basically as I go, you'll see, you know, you might, um, troll in front of kidney island which is right off of uh auto metro there right by bay beach you might troll kidney island you know a hundred times in a month uh, for me or something but basically like you get to a point with that historical data where you can see hey there's a fish right there and if you're doing it just for the day you can say there's a fish right there and you can go over it and you can go over it again and you can go over it again and you can say okay now he moved he's not there anymore but like the idea that you can see that there's a musky there like if you're trolling and you fish half a day and you didn't mark any, you're in the wrong spot. You got to go somewhere else and you got to call an audible because you're not, you're not in them. You can just tell, you just know that they're not there. And if they're there and they're not biting, that's okay. You know, they, they, at least you're in the spot. They're affected. Exactly. You know that they're there. And as you keep trolling over them, you know, you might get them mad. They might, you know, it might be a weather change. It might be uh, the wind shifted. You might have a major, minor, you know, moon kind of a deal. Something might trigger them to bite. But if they're not there, you know, you got to fish where they are, you know, obviously. So, I mean, if they're not there, you're going to be, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not into them. You know, that's not going to happen. Sure. Makes total sense. So, um, one of the last questions I have is, Obviously, we've talked about rods, reels, baits, mm-hmm. re- release tools, everything like that. Is there one other item in your boat that is with you all the time that you like you you can't fish without either you know for whatever reason, like something the guy might not think about, but there's that, just that one thing. Um. Well, big thing that I know a lot of guys who just get into musky fishing, they don't want to spend the money on is a bump board, and so a bump board is basically a big piece of plastic and it kind of folds up and it has a, a you know a big flat part and then there's a part at the top and a part where the nose of the fish goes and basically you can put the fish on the bump board you can put their nose at it and you can measure the fish properly and you can tell how long that fish is and everybody wants you know you don't keep muskies generally so you want to have a good picture you want to be able to tell your friends hey i caught a 40 48 or whatever so a lot of guys just want to take a like a tape measure and put it on their carpet and flop that fish on the bottom of their boat, and that that can be really detrimental to those fish too. So I mean, the bump board is a little bit of an investment, but it's something where you can take it and um, we're going to be putting out a video in the next day or two here on our Tidal Town Muskie Link page on Facebook. But 
we're going to, we're going to do a, a giveaway of that as well. I'll come back to that. But basically when you do catch a fish, you want to have it in your net and it, your net is almost like a live well at that point. Cause you got big giant nets for muskie. So the fish is going to be in the water. You can unhook it. You can leave it in the net and then you take your bump board out, you get it wet so that you're not taking slime off of that fish. You set it on the floor and then you can take that fish out measure it and hold it up for a picture and get it back in the water right away. And, um, there's oftentimes, you know, you'll see somebody who just got into it, who's going to be, you know, like I said, just, you know, stretch out a tape measure and put it on the carpet and taking that slime off of those fish can be really detrimental to their health too. That can be another delayed mortality type thing where, you know, they say, Oh, it went fine. I held onto it and it swam away. And it's like, yeah, it swam away, but you know, it might've just swam off and died somewhere else and, and, or got an infection or whatever. And Again, you know, if you, if that fish dies at 48, it's never going to hit 50 or 52 or 55 or 57. So, um, yeah, that's a great, that's a, a great tip is, you know, like you said, getting that bump board wet and, and just like everybody looks at slime on a fish, like, oh, slime on a fish, but it's there mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that protective layer that keeps the bacteria and everything from, uh, getting into those fish. And, and you can see it, you know, when they spawn, they get these big, scabs on them and stuff because they're rubbing themselves on the rocks and they just right. look pretty nasty you know and yeah they and, do. uh that slime so, helps them yeah yeah it helps keep exactly them right earlier right. you briefly kind of touched on and kind of glazed over moon phases is that something that you yeah. do you fish by the moon phase and is that something you really pay attention to like the major the minor is that something you really pay attention to I do. And I, I feel like I'm giving you a lot of wishy-washy answers, but I nerd out on this stuff so hard sometimes. <laughs> so I tell people all the time that Green Bay muskies do not read the Muskie Hunter magazine. Like you read the Muskie <laughs> Hunter magazine, it says Joe Booker says they eat on the majors and the minors and this and that. And, and you know, um, that's key. Like always watch that. Always watch that. So being a guide, I generally get to fish long days all the time. And like some of my biggest Green Bay muskies have come on a bright sunny day, mid afternoon, no moon, no nothing, no major minor. It just like that fish bites and you're like, where'd that come from? Like that is not supposed to happen right now. I'm glad that it did, but it wasn't supposed to. But in, in contrast to that, um, again, like Lake of the woods, I, I kind of, uh, equate Lake of the woods to like what I think Iowa bow hunting is. Like I haven't gone to <laughs> Iowa yet. I'm putting in for my tag, but like you can fit, you can hunt, in the kettle moraine where I grew up and there's a hunter just around every other tree. So if you rattle horns in the kettle moraine, bucks are going to run for the next county because they've seen that trick a hundred times sure. and like pressured waters. Um, you know, the muskies might not necessarily act like muskies are supposed to, but if you go to Lake of the woods and just like Joe Booker says, if you crash a crankbait into the rock, the muskie's going to come eat it. Like it's going to happen. Like, and, and they, you know, if you, and, not to say that I don't look at moon times on Green Bay because if I'm casting or if we have a trip and we see a fish follow, I'm definitely, you, you can bet that I, I have an app on my phone that tells me when the majors and minors are. The majors and minors basically are when the moon is either, they have moonrise and moon set, which is like sunrise and sunset. So the moon is just coming up over the horizon. And then there's moon overhead and moon underfoot. So the moon is directly above you or the moon is directly opposite of that basically so those are the majors and minors and it is definitely a trigger for fish like i used to think oh that's whatever but it is a trigger for fish like if you have a big fish located when you're casting and you come back to that fish that spot 
the chances of that fish coming back out and or eating your bait are much better than any other time for the rest of that day, wherever you are. It's, it's, it is definitely fact. It just is. It, 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 it happens all the time so that you can come back to a fish and, and pay attention to that major and say, all right, moon rises in 10 minutes. And, uh, and, and sometimes that fish, you'll either see it again and it's, it's not necessarily, you know, that fish can leave the area, can do whatever, but your chances of catching that fish on a major or minor are higher than any other time during the rest of that day. So when you come back, so you let's, okay, let's go through that scenario. You go, sure. you, you see that fish follow. You, you mark it, mm-hmm. you, you come back. Are you throwing the same bait that he followed on? Or are you throwing something like, okay, he followed on a bucktail, he didn't take it. Are you going to come back and throw a jerk bait instead? Or are you going to throw that same bucktail that he was interested in the first time? Well, and again, I, I, I give you such wishy-washy answers, but there's no <laughs> concrete in musky fishing. So, right. it, so the, there's a big, when you have a fish follow, you have seconds to look at that fish and really see the way that it's acting. But over time and, and with some, some close observation, you can tell if a fish, we call it, it's either really hot on it or it's like a lazy follow. Like if you bring your bait in, especially if you're throwing like a twitch bait or a glide bait and it's coming in slow and it's kind of going back and forth and the fish is maybe six feet off and six feet below the bait and you kind of just see it swimming towards you. Um, and it's, that's, that's what we call a lazy follow. So you know that that fish is there, but it's really not in any way going to grab that bait and eat it immediately at that it's point. It's more curious than anything. Right. It's just checking it out. And really at that point, all you're learning is that that fish is there and you're going to, you're going to mark that spot for sure. But if you're throwing a bucktail or something that moves straight or even a, a rubber bait, but if it's moving fast and sometimes that fish will be, I mean, it's like if <laughs> that fish's nose is like touching the tinsel on your bucktail, it's like, holy cow, this thing is hot. And at that point, you know, you go in your figure eight and you know, if something happens, it, it may or may not eat in that figure eight, but that's when you need to make the decision and say, okay, well, do I want to stay on this fish and cast on it? And that sometimes is the answer. If you got a fish that's really hot on a bucktail or really hot on a glide bait, jerk bait or something, and you switch, then I, I, normally if I have a fish follow on, say, a straight-moving topwater, and it doesn't eat, then I'll switch to something like a rubber bait or something that's going to be moving either up and down in the water column or side to side or something else that's going to be a different style of retreat. And I'll target that fish again right away. Like if it was hot to trot, I'm not going to leave it and come back to it later. Sure. But if I have a lazy follow, then I'm going to say, all right, well, the next major's in an hour. We're not going to sit here and beat this fish over the head because you could throw, you know, a fish are either negative or neutral or positive. And if they're negative, you can throw every bait in the world at it. And it just is not going to eat it. It doesn't want to eat. It's just there. It's just kind of hanging out. And until that fish gets to at least a neutral position or neutral state it's not going to eat anything so you kind of at that point I'll, I'll back off i'll go fish a different spot and i'll say okay well you know three o'clock is the major we're going to come at three you know 245 we're going to be working our way back into the area because it might move a little bit but you can bet at three o'clock that i'm going to be on that waypoint and i'm going to be casting something at it i'll probably and generally you know it, it gets into a whole other topic but like you know i'll have somebody in the front of the boat throwing a bucktail and 
somebody in the middle might be throwing a swim bait or something that else that relatively moves straight. And then, you know, somebody else might be in the back ripping rubber. And at that point, you know, if you have a positive fish, something that's going to react and, and grab a bait right away, they'll jump out and grab that bucktail first. And that's going to be one of your best hooking baits. Percentage wise, if a fish bites a bucktail, chances are it's going to get some hooks in its mouth. Sure. If, if you're throwing a glide bait, you know, you might burn a positive fish and you're, that bait's going side to side and they swipe and they don't get it. And, you know, they don't get a hook or something. And that, now, you know, you burn that fish, you lost that opportunity that might have ate a higher percentage bait. Um, so at that point, um, you know, until somebody, you know, maybe I, if somebody catches a fish or two on a bulldog in the back, I'm not going to have those guys in the front keep throwing bucktails. I'm going to switch everybody over. But until you find a pattern, that's the way that I kind of like to work it. And I'll move clients in the boat or I'll move the bait around. But generally the first look, you want to give something that's going to be relatively easy for a fish to grab if it wants to. Sure. Makes total sense. Well, <clears throat> Phil, uh, this has been awesome. I mean, the everything you've, you've said and, and all these tips, if you will, it, it's been incredible. Um, picking your brain, uh, for, you know, hopefully some of these guys getting out this weekend. Um, we do have yeah. one big question. Yeah. It's probably the biggest of the, oh of the now musky. How do you spell it? Well, well, <laughs> I, I usually go with the traditional Wisconsin, like the musky hunter magazine. Okay. Um, is M-U-S-K-Y. And I know other places will do M-U-S-K-I-E. Um, I almost always just go M-U-S-K-Y. That's I, like I, the traditional Wisconsin way to go. I've seen it where you've maybe thrown an X in there too. Yeah, yeah. I actually, that's <laughs> one of my ways. My friends uh, and I just like to be goofy and call them muckskis and stuff. I actually have that on my license plate now. But especially oh, if we're trying awesome. to sound sound like we know what we're talking about, but we want to be goofy. Well, yeah, well. We like to go muck ski fishing, you know, and it's, it's just something that we say. It doesn't really make any sense. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's something we enjoy, too, <laughs> just being dumb. Hey, but, that's, that's what it's all about, having fun and catching fish. So, that's um, it, right. Where, where can people find you on, you know, social media? Do you have Instagram, Facebook? You, you mentioned yeah. YouTube before. How do people get a hold yep. of you? Sure. So, um, Angler Sport Fishing on Facebook is a great way. We have a lot of our um, – trips and stuff we we book through facebook through facebook messenger whatever um i have instagram my instagram is angler sports fishing phil um we have a youtube channel angler sport fishing uh if people want to email us they can email us at info at anglersportfishing.net we got a website www.anglersportfishing.net and uh if they want to text or call me they can call me at 262-323 Four one five five is my number. We have uh, limited days left for uh, the early musky season casting stuff, but we have a bunch of dates left for the later summer casting, and we have uh, a decent number of dates left too for the uh, fall trolling stuff. So by all means, get a hold of us, come fish, and we we do muskies, we do walleyes, we do smallmouth bass, uh, we do sturgeon spearing in the winter time, like. Oh, wow. uh, follow our page and we, we have all sorts of different stuff that we're doing. So, um, by all means, if you want to get out on green Bay, uh, come find us. And then also, um, I, I'm the vice president now of title town muskies Inc. And that's a Facebook page, uh, that you should follow as well. We got a lot of, 
a lot of info on that. And we're going to be doing a giveaway here for opening weekend, uh, kind of a photo contest. We're going to be putting out a short video that we filmed tonight, uh, talking about release tools, talking about um, taking care of these fish. And then also we're going to be giving away some uh, Title Town Muskies Inc. gear, like clothes and stuff like that, too. So um, follow and, that page. On and that Facebook was Title Town Muskie Inc.? On Facebook? Yep, Title Town Muskies Inc. Chapter 4 is the full name of it. But, yep, uh, that's our Muskies Inc. Chapter here in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a muskie fisherman, if you're, you know, involved, join Muskies Inc., it's like 45 bucks a year, and you get, you know, a magazine, you get, and you're supporting the stocking and everything else for these fish. That's a huge thing. That's the, the muskie club here has definitely changed my life, and it, it's just a fun thing. You can go and get involved. You can... A lot of, you know, our club has, you know, multiple outings where we go and we go up north and fish and we have an outing on the bay. It's like a small little tournament and stuff. And uh, we have a league that runs throughout the whole season. It, it's just a really fun thing to get together with people with similar interests and, and support the fisheries that that we all love to go out and, uh, and, and use. So it's a really good thing for sure. Awesome. Well, Mike, any other questions for Phil while we still have them? No, we appreciate this. This has been informative for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, got me all fired up for the yeah, weekend. Maybe it'll only take 9,000 yeah. casts this weekend. but Yeah, I, uh, sure, if sure. I see something, <laughs> I, it'll be the, the best opening weekend I've had. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I didn't ramble too much. I hope people are still listening, but if not, that's, uh, that's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, good luck this weekend, Phil. Good luck with the rest of the year. We really appreciate it, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hopefully you guys you guys have to come over and try a trolling day or something. Yeah, yeah we will for sure. I, I have not trolled yet, and I'm, I, it is on my list to do. So we will definitely sure. do that. All awesome. right, sounds good. All right, thanks. thanks. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. As always, thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at OBH Outdoors and the same on Facebook. Or if you have any comments or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at AverageOutdoorsmanPodcast at gmail.com.